Welcome to episode 317 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, biohacker, author of What, When, Why, and creator of the supplement line Avalon X. And I'm here with my co-host, Vanessa Spina, sports nutrition specialist, author of Keto Essentials, and creator of the Tone Breath Ketone Analyzer and Tone Lux Red Light Therapy Panels. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and ketogenicgirl.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this show do not constitute medical advice or treatment. To be featured on the show, email us your questions to questions at ifpodcast.com. We would love to hear from you. So pour yourself a mug of black coffee, a cup of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi, friends. I'm about to tell you how to get my favorite electrolytes for free, plus special announcement, Element's new chocolate medley is here. So when you think electrolytes, you might think summer and hot times and needing to stay hydrated. But did you know that hydration is actually super important in cold weather as well? There's an idea out there that cold weather reduces our hydration needs. That's not true. So in the cold, two main things can actually increase our metabolic rate. You may be working harder, tramping through the snow, and you can be wearing cumbersome winter clothing that can actually raise your energy needs by 10 to 20%. And as your metabolic rate raises, your sweat rate raises, and you need to replace those fluids with electrolytes. You also lose more water when it's cold through your breath. That's because cold temperatures contain significantly less water than hot temperatures, AKA it's drier outside. When you breathe in that cold, dry air, your respiratory system actually acts like a humidifier so that your body can be warm and humid like it likes to be. Of course, that drains your hydration reserves as well. One study actually found that respiratory water loss after a full day of activity nearly doubled at freezing temperatures compared to the 70s. On top of that, when you're cold, you actually become less thirsty, possibly from blood vessel constrictions in the cold, which can trick the body into thinking the blood volume is higher than it is. In other words, it's cold out there. You probably need hydration. And electrolytes are so key for all of these cellular processes in your body, all of your energy production. It all requires electrolytes, but it can be hard to find electrolytes, which are clean, without unnecessary fillers, and which you can feel good about drinking. That's why I love Element. There's a reason I'm obsessed with it. There's a reason all you guys are as well. And like I said, I'm so excited because Element's new chocolate medley is here featuring chocolate mint, chocolate chai, and chocolate raspberry. And this is a limited time, so you definitely want to stock up on these now. Plus, you can get a free gift with purchase when you purchase that chocolate medley or other Element electrolytes. That's right, you can get a free sample pack, eight single serving packets for free with any Element order. It's a great way to try all eight flavors or share Element with a salty friend. You can get yours at drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. That's drinklmnt.com slash ifpodcast. By the way, those chocolates in that chocolate medley make delicious hot chocolates. And of course, as always, Element has a no questions asked refund, so you have nothing to lose. So go to drinklmnt.com slash podcast to get your free electrolytes.
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 317 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I am here with Vanessa Spina. How are you today, Vanessa? I am just buzzing with excitement. I am so thrilled and happy to be here. So for listeners, hopefully you listened to last episode, episode 316, but that was the first episode with Vanessa as the new co-host of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. So if you missed that episode, 
definitely check it out. We dive deep into Vanessa's history and everything that she's done in the podcasting world with her her Keto Essentials cookbook, her ketone breath acetone measuring device tone, which we will talk about, I'm sure, probably more in today's episode, and just her story and how we connected. So definitely check out that episode. So it's funny because we were really looking forward to that episode for so long. We've also been looking forward to this episode for so long because it's our first listener Q&A together. What's really exciting is Vanessa is a longtime listener of the show. So normally you're listening to this. So welcome to this aspect of it. I'm like, pinch me. I feel like I'm dreaming. I'm so happy and excited to be here. And I'm, I'm a part of this community. I've been a listener for, for many years and it's been in like my top... 10 favorite podcasts over the years. So to be here sitting with you, it's such a huge honor. I am just, I'm so excited. I, I can barely like express it in words. I am too. I've been looking forward to this for so long. So we were just talking about the format of the show and everything and how we normally in the beginning catch up. So Vanessa, it's funny. I realized I said like day, but it's evening for you right now in Prague. What's going on in your life right now? How is mom life? Mom life is is great. Actually, we were just talking about how we're we're starting out a new sort of setup tonight with this recording. So Pete is on dad duty tonight. I mean, he's always on dad duty because he's an incredible father, but Pete is with Luca tonight instead of me. I usually like putting him to bed and doing all of that stuff. Pete does it occasionally when I have like a girl's night out or something like that, but we're trying out this new format so that we can make this podcast happen. And so far it's going really well. So I'm super thrilled that it's going well. And everything has been just absolutely wonderful. Like I feel like so many incredible things are manifesting right now, like work-wise and just in our lives, like we're in such a good place. I'm so excited because the spring is starting and it's my favorite season of the year. I love summer too, of course, but spring, there's this, this magic to seeing everything unfold and like blossom and bloom and open up. And it's just so beautiful to go for walks and see everything, all the blossoms and the blooms coming to life. So um, I feel just so excited about life in so many ways and so excited about things happening and things to come. And like, I couldn't be in a better place right now. I have so many questions for you. Um, (laughs) First of all, this is how we are different. I am not about spring. I am visually like what it looks like. It's beautiful, but I think it's my severe allergies. I've realized my epiphany about it. I'm so allergic to grass. So viscerally, I associate spring with not feeling well. I wish growing up I had been eating a diet that was not inflammatory and taking my serapeptase because then I probably wouldn't have really experienced that as much. But I think just it's, you know, those childhood associations just really stick with you. So when I think spring, I'm like, wait, so what's your favorite season? Winter. Winter. Yeah. I already knew that about you, but (laughs) all the way. I had an epiphany actually recently. I was thinking about Easter and when I think about Easter, I'm like, ugh. Like I get this like feeling of just dread. And I think it's because when you're doing you're doing Easter egg hunts in the grass, which is like so allergic. <laughs> I'm always like so allergic to. Oh, I just want to hug little baby Melanie and be like, it's okay. Don't worry. It is. <laughs> My two questions for you, because we're talking about how excited we are in your life. What were the most exciting moments? of your life with like everything you've done career-wise? 
Oh, wow. That's such a question. Just work-wise, I would say just work-wise. Like achievement, like like climbing a mountain-wise, you know, like this is a goal achievement type thing. I mean, this is one of them. Like (laughs) right now, being on this podcast with you is definitely like one of the most amazing ones. I'm so happy to be here with you all. Like I'm just so excited. And like you said, you had that like wave of gratitude for all the episodes that are coming. Like I'm so excited for all the brilliant listener questions because this show gets the most brilliant questions. The audience is super sophisticated and amazing. And I, I love all the questions each week. I love the, this community is so amazing. You have done so much for this podcast. Like last episode, we talked about your co-host, but you have done so much to build this podcast into what it is and all the behind the scenes stuff that you do for this podcast and you have done over the years is incredible. So to be here with you, like this is definitely like one of those peak moments in my life. Like it's happening in real time right now. <laughs> that's so funny. It's a very meta answer. Wow. That's amazing. And thank you so much for the kind words. I mean, I, I really not to go on a massive long thing about the audience. I mean, the show would not be if there wasn't an audience. And I'm just so grateful for the community and, you know, how engaged they've been for so long. I mean, I wonder how many listener questions we've answered. It's crazy. So how many episodes do you have of your show now? We have just over 400. Oh, wow. Wow. We have such similar trajectories, I was thinking, because similar with the show. And then you, with your bio, you started blogging 2015, you said? Yes. And I started, I feel like I really started getting more serious in like 2014-ish. So, and then your book came out, when did your book come out? In 2017. My book came out 20, January, 2018. Wow. Yeah. That's really similar. (laughs) Yeah. We've been on like parallel paths and we didn't, we didn't know it. And now like those paths are yeah, meeting in the distance right now. And it's crazy. We collided. I have another question for you because you were talking about making the schedule work for the show and like how you do sometimes have like girls nights. What's it like going out in Prague? Oh, it's amazing. I mean, Prague is such an incredible city. It's the perfect size city. I like cities that are like not too big, not too small, just the perfect size that you can walk around. It's one of the most beautiful cities in the world. So like airplane pilots will routinely say, you know, cause they've been everywhere. Like Prague is the most beautiful and I have to agree. It's so beautiful, but it's got this like ancient world architecture. That's so stunning and exquisite. It looks like Paris and actually a similar architect, the same architect designed a lot of buildings in Paris. He designed them here too. So it's like, it transports you to another time when you're walking through the city because it's so beautiful, but there's a lot of, creative people and artists and interesting people here because, you know, the artists used to all go to Paris and Berlin, but those cities have priced out a lot of those people. So Prague is one of the places in Europe that has a lower cost of living. That's changing a little bit now for sure. But when we first moved here, it definitely did. So there's a lot of creative people, like a lot of, that brings a certain atmosphere and energy to the city, I think, because There's like that creative energy and going out is just really fun. Like people here love to drink. It's very socially acceptable. There's wine bars everywhere. Last girls night that we had, there were eight of us and six of the moms were pregnant. So the guy was like, why are you at a wine bar? (laughs) 
And we were like, I don't know, we just came here because, you know, there's like, they're so commonly found, but there's lots and lots of like fun, cozy wine bars, especially in the winter. They're super cozy, like by the river, that kind of thing. They have like, like lanterns and like, it's just very, very cozy, cozy atmosphere. And in the summer, people drink a lot out like on the side of the river. There's like these river banks with lots of bars and cafes and it's, it's a really fun vibe. Oh my goodness. You're still breastfeeding right now. What type of drinker are you? Wine? I am someone who, like, I love tequila. I love margaritas. That's like my... Tequila, girl. Yeah, that's like my number one drink. Like, when I was about to give birth, I told Pete he had to have a margarita waiting for me for, like, after I gave birth because you can't drink the whole time. So I was like, when you can't drink, you really like think about the things that you want to have, or you can't have certain things. You're like, I want sushi and a margarita (laughs) waiting for me when I come into the recovery room. So that's like probably my favorite drink. I think just because we love like Mexico, we love like that fun, vibrant atmosphere of, of Mexico. Like margaritas just always take me there. And then most of the time I'll do like a skinny girl margarita or just like a vodka soda, sparkling water. That's kind of my, my go-to. Wow. Okay. See, and this shows how much I don't know about having children. So can you drink now? Yes. So I can, I don't that often these days, but it's just because of like lifestyle. Like I'm just working a lot, taking care of Luca a lot. So I know this is like a a period of our lives where it's going to be really like focused on, on him, especially. And you know, on breastfeeding, like I'm coming up on two years of, of breastfeeding. I feel really, really good about that. But you definitely, like if you wanted to drink, you definitely can. You just sort of have to know the timings of like, you know, you once you have a drink, you have like about half an hour until it's going to make its way to your milk. So if I were to be drinking, like I probably, like I usually don't breastfeed him right after. <laughs> like some people say you can like pump your milk or whatever. I've never done that. I usually just don't breastfeed feed him after having a drink, but I don't drink that often these days because of our lifestyle. But if I do go out on like a girl's night, I can have a drink or two and it doesn't really matter because Pete's putting him down to bed. So I won't be feeding him. So that's kind of just how it, you know, you fit it in here and there when you can. And, you know, we'll see when he's done like weaning, I'll probably be able to enjoy a drink here and there a lot more often. Wow. I learned so much just now. I'm going to live vicariously through you with the children aspect. Yes. I'm living vicariously through you in other aspects. So (laughs) works well, works well. How are you doing? I'm good. There's like, I feel like there's, oh, well, so when this airs, because when does this air? So this airs mid-May, but at the time of our recording, because we're a bit in advance, I'm launching my fourth supplement this Friday or Saturday, this Saturday. So magnesium three and eight. When listeners are listening now, you can get it now. So this is funny. Speaking of, well, night. Are you familiar with magnesium three and eight, Vanessa? You told me about it and I I knew that you you were launching that. So I really don't know much about it. So I can learn. Well, I'm a huge fan of magnesium because I think it's a mineral that just so many people are deficient in because of our modern, you know, farming environment, our diets, our stress levels. It's just a bad situation. And that's why I released my magnesium eight, which is a blend of eight types of magnesium. It's super incredible, but I specifically did not include magnesium three and eight because it's a type of magnesium 
that crosses the blood-brain barrier. Other magnesiums, like some can, but this is the only one that's been shown clinically to significantly, like basically saturate the brain to levels that would have, you know, a a beneficial effect. So I wanted to release it as a standalone and you also need a, a higher therapeutic dose to actually get those benefits. So we decided to release it as my magnesium nightcap because it can help support sleep and relaxation. I'm still really happy about that branding, but I I sat down and did like a really deep dive into the research and I realized there are so many benefits on it for memory specifically. So the majority of the studies have actually been memory related. And so things like how it affects dementia, like Alzheimer models in rodents and all of those pathways. So now I'm like, oh, I hope we didn't like misbrand it, calling it the nightcap. Because I think some people could, you know, benefit from having it just for like brain support. And it's not going to like knock you out. Like the the dosing they actually suggest you can get morning and night. Regardless, I'm very excited. So if people would like to get that now, because it is live, you can go to avalonx.us and the launch special has ended. Yes, the launch special will will have ended, but you can use the coupon code Melanie Avalon to get 10% off site-wide and hopefully you're getting updates so that you didn't miss the launch special or future launch specials. So for that, you can go to avalonx.us slash email list, or you can text avalonx to 877-861-8318. One last thing, this might be repetitive if you saw my story. Did you see my story that I posted last night? I didn't. Okay. Can I tell you the moment that happened last night that was like a moment for me? Wait, I may have. I seen most of your stories this week, but maybe I missed the one that you're about to talk about. I'll just tell you and you can let me know. I asked chat GPT. Yes, yes, yes. Not the poem one though. I posted one about the poem. Okay. Did you see the one about the lit, the biohackers? I think so. So last night I asked chat GPT for, do you use chat GPT? I, Pete's been trying it out and testing it. I haven't used it yet, but you were, you were getting it to help you write something scientific, right? Yeah. Well, I was using it to do research on things. It makes me very concerned. Oh, that's right. You said that it like, it said one thing. And then when you questioned it, it completely like made up a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's terrifying. <laughs> like, cause I was using it to research magnesium three and eight actually. And so I was like, And to clarify for listeners, I was never going to just like be like write a blog post and then post that. Like, of course not. I was using it as a way for it to like get me started kind of. So I I would say write a blog post about magnesium three and eight and would write this like really great thing. And I was like, look at these studies. I'm like, this is great. And then I go look at the studies and like, they don't say anything about what it's saying. And so then I'd be like, can you show me in that study where it's talking about what you just said? And then it's just like, oh yeah, I'm sorry. That's wrong. (laughs) It's like, okay. Well, at least it apologized, but that's just... Oh, it does. It apologizes. It's very terrifying because a lot of people wouldn't be as thorough as you and go back and like actually look at the studies. So yeah, it's it's really scary. It's concerning. I actually think it's like very concerning because it presents information so as a fact, like so certain, certainly. And the fact that it doesn't re-look at it or analyze or anything until you point it out is concerning. And then also something it's done is like at one point I was asking it and then I asked it like a random question. And instead of answering the question, it was, it would randomly be like, oh, I'm sorry. I actually was wrong about this other thing I said a while back. It's like, okay. But in any case, the new version is chat GPT-4, 
which apparently is like leagues beyond it. And this will be outdated by the time this comes out. We'll probably be on like chat GPT-9 or it'll probably be like banned. But it just got banned, I think, in Switzerland, maybe. It's good to talk about it, you know, so people know like that there are certain things about it that they they may not realize. Yeah, that this is happening. So into the story though. So last night I downloaded chat GPT-4 and the first thing I asked it was, who are the most popular biohackers? And it gave six. Number one, Dave Asprey. Number two, Ben Greenfield. Number three, Rhonda Patrick. Number four, I think Tim Ferriss. Five, Aubrey Marcus. Six, Melanie Avalon. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was going to say you definitely were in that list, right? Because that's amazing. And it only gave six. Wow. Wow. That's that's amazing. You definitely are. Like You definitely are. You have to be in that top six. That's crazy. To, that blow, like, literally blows my mind. That blows my mind because that's like that's basically asking a completely third party artificial intelligence to look at the internet and decide. You know, that's amazing. That's amazing. That's like a real moment. Like I just had my moment <laughs> at the start of this podcast, and you're having your moment. We're having your moments. Congratulations. Thank you. You too. Well, I don't want to say like congrats on being on the show because it's just a natural fit, but congrats on everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. Friends, I am so excited to tell you about one of my new favoriteest things ever. Okay, so you guys know I eat a lot of cucumbers. I don't think that this is any secret. And I find myself throwing away pounds, yes, pounds of cucumber peels every single night. I felt so awful just throwing it in the trash. It seemed like such a waste. I'd always wanted to try composting, aka a sustainable approach to turning food waste into healthy dirt, but it seemed really intimidating and not very practical. So it was on the to-do list for quite a while. So you can imagine how thrilled I was when a company called Lomi by Pila reached out to me wanting to sponsor the show. Normally I have to think a little bit about all the brands that reach out to me. I was an immediate yes. I was so excited. I got my Lomi device. It is incredible. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with the push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. By comparison, if you were to compost naturally, it would probably take at the shortest around six to eight weeks and maybe even up to a year. But nope, with Lomi, I can literally do it in four hours. There's no smell when it runs and it is super quiet. I've been using Lomi for a few months now. It is substantially reducing my waste. I was taking out garbage bags all the time. It's probably cut that down by about 30 to 50%. In fact, I love it so much that I bought another Lomi for my parents for Christmas. So now with my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means that waste is not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that you can actually use to feed your plants. And Lomi is super cool. It has three different settings. It has the Eco Express setting, which is low energy consumption, provides the fastest results, and is good for your food waste. It has the Lomi Approved setting, that's five to eight hours, and you can actually put in Lumi Approved bioplastics and other compostable commercial goods and packaging that are Lumi Approved. And then there's the Grow Mode, that's 24 hours. It's low heat with a longer duration, and that actually preserves the microorganisms the most to help the soil and promote carbon storage in the soil. I am 
all about regenerative agriculture. So the fact that we can help put carbon back into the soil is so, so incredible. Lomi is something I have instantly fallen in love with. And if you guys are anything like me, I know you will as well. Turn your food waste into dirt with the press of a button with Lomi. Use the code IFPODCAST to save $50 at Lomi.com slash IFPODCAST. That's L-O-M-I dot com slash IFPODCAST with the promo code IFPODCAST to save $50. And we'll put all this information in the show notes. That was a long-winded way of saying we're very excited to be here. And shall we answer some listener questions? I can't wait to dig into them. They're so good. Me too. Okay. So today's questions, it's a blend of questions that have been emailed as well as I specifically asked for questions in Facebook, my Facebook group, IF Biohackers. I asked for questions specifically for Vanessa. So some of these are tailored towards her. So the first question comes from Valerie and she says, I like Vanessa and have listened to many of her podcasts. Is she going to advocate a type of fast I last heard her talk about wake up at sunrise and eat and then fast and then eat later question mark it's totally different from Jen like I said I do like her and listen to her podcast regularly but it's a lot different I'm excited about this question because if listeners go back and listen to episode 316 we talked a bit about Vanessa's history doing first fasting one meal a day and then adding in keto. And I had a lot of follow-up questions about her fasting history. So actually, Vanessa, can you just like briefly recap your keto fasting history, one meal a day spiel for listeners who missed last week? And then we can talk about what you're doing today with fasting and all the manifestations and such. Yes, I would love to. So I mentioned on the last episode that the thing that actually first brought me to keto was I was reading about the 5-2 diet and Michael Mosley. And then after doing that successfully, I then started doing the Ori Hoffelmaker approach, which is the warrior diet or one meal a day. And then I got into keto. So it's kind of the reverse, you know, introduction to IF that you had. But what I really like is trying different strategies. And because intermittent fasting as we know, is not a diet. It's a pattern of eating. And the way that I look at different intermittent fasting strategies is that you can optimize for different goals depending on what you are currently optimizing for. And I'm personally someone who is often switching things up because I'm often optimizing for different things. Although the overall concept of intermittent fasting optimizes for a lot of big things that I am targeting there's different sort of like micro goals that I have within that. And so I'm also an experimenter and I like to try different things and I see them as like different tools for different goals. So, you know, things like deep autophagy or optimizing for melatonin production for mitochondrial repair, or optimizing for deep ketosis or fat loss, circadian health, fertility, muscle growth, lowering inflammation. Like there's so many different things that you can specifically target within that greater, you know, umbrella or space of intermittent fasting. So I also find that because our bodies are always sort of regulating for homeostasis or balance, once you do a pattern for a certain way, you'll get a diminishing return sometimes from doing that pattern. And so I have found that sometimes my body will start 
you know, functioning at that different level. And I don't see the same results that I saw at a certain period of time. So I like to switch things up. And then I know other people like to find one intermittent fasting strategy or approach and stick to that because it's working for them long-term. But I'm someone who likes to change things up. So I am constantly experimenting with different approaches. So when I started, I was doing the, you know, first of five, two, alternate day fasting for people who are not familiar with 5-2. Then I was doing the Orihofamegar one meal a day, just having dinner every day. Then while I was doing keto, I settled into the 16-8, which has always been a foundational principle of my meal plans is the 16-8 doing lunch and dinner. I was doing that for a really long time, alternating sometimes between that and one meal a day again, because of different strategies, different things as targeting. And then this past September, I changed up my intermittent fasting pattern again to the one that you mentioned, Valerie, which is I started waking up at sunrise, eating my first meal of the day, which is mostly protein and fat macros within the first hour of being awake, and then fasting until dinner. And what I found through experimenting, and I was experimenting checking my ketones, is that my ketones were higher on the days that I did that right before dinner than they were when I would fast from even dinner to dinner or doing the lunch and dinner. So I liked that pattern. I wanted to try it out. Right now I'm currently in the process of changing it up again because it's like a seasonal time. I'm doing one of my seasonal fasts. I just finished doing an extended fast and I like to do extended fasts four times a year on the seasons change. And I like to change things up again. So I've noticed that my body has, again, started going back to homeostasis a little bit. My ketones have been dropping off with this breakfast and dinner approach, and they've been getting lower and lower in the past couple of months. So I'm starting to experiment again and see what am I targeting? What am I optimizing for? Is it fat loss? Is it you know, mitochondria, mitochondrial repair? Is it autophagy? Is it muscle growth and repair? Is it lowering inflammation? Like what am I specifically targeting? And then having that kind of approach. So in terms of your question, I don't advocate one specific type of intermittent fasting. I advocate all of them. (laughs) And I like finding the right fit, you know, depending on what that person is trying to optimize. And those goals can change or they can stay the same. That was an incredible answer. (laughs) It's, It's just so wonderful because we get so many questions from people, I think, you know, I think people, they really want to do what's right. Like they want to find the right version of intermittent fasting. And I think it's so important to realize that different things work for different people. I mean, I know we say that all the time on this show, but it's really great that I love that you've tried all these different types of it because you're going to be able to speak to it, which is amazing. I have some follow-up questions about what you just said. So, so many things. Thing one, the higher ketones before dinner in this pattern that you're doing now. So, so how many hours is it between your breakfast and your dinner? So it's, it's actually quite long. It's either sometimes 10 to 12 hours between the two. Wow. Okay. Do you think the higher ketones are a reflection of having eaten fat with breakfast? Like how fatty is your breakfast? Or do you think it's burning fat ketones? It's a combination of things because one of the things is that my breakfast does include some fat, but the main difference, I think, why my ketones were higher going from breakfast to dinner is because I calculated out that it's more time that you are awake, fasted, than when you 
fast until say lunch and dinner, which is what I was doing before. When you sort of go sort of into a mild ketosis, when you wake up, say your, your body's starting to keto go into ketosis after, you know, 12 hours of, you know, digestive rest, and then your body's starting to kick on ketosis. And then most people have their breakfast if they're not doing intermittent fasting in that way. And I found that when you're doing that, you're asleep for a lot of the time that you are fasted. Whereas when you do this other pattern, you're actually awake for more of the time that you're fasted. Your metabolism, it gets sort of woken up by that first meal. And then, you know, you, you will have a combination of some of the ketones from the fat, as you were saying. And you also have this, I think partly your metabolism is going and it's boosted because if you're eating mostly protein, which I am, you're triggering muscle protein synthesis, which is a big reason why, you know, we get this thermic effect from protein. So you have that going on. And I think it's a long enough period between the two meals, knowing that we are in the fed state for like four to five hours after consuming a meal, you go back into that fasted state after about, you know, between four to five hours. So you're still getting a lot of time in the fully fasted state during that time. So a lot of that is also just like burning fat. You're drawing on on your body fat during that time because you have assimilated all of the food that you've you know eaten before. So it's definitely a combination of the two. So I, I changed it up for a few different reasons, but I, I was really surprised that my ketones were even higher than when I was going... 24 hours fasted, like having dinner and then having dinner the next day, which to me, I would have assumed that my ketones would be higher, you know, and I'm measuring blood and breath. And it was really on my breath using the tone that my ketones were so much higher doing the, this approach that I knew that my rate of fat burning was higher from doing this. So it's a lot of experimentation. And like I've said, they've recently dropped off a little. So I think, you know, that's a a part of like having less adrenaline going because my body, you know, has gotten used to it. So it starts optimizing for this approach. And so that's why I see there's benefit in changing things up. So I definitely want to talk to you more about the tone device before that. Some follow-up questions still. So, because you're talking about the benefits of seeing higher ketones and your experience with ketones dropping, so how do you feel about the natural progression of people being on keto or fasting for a while and maybe it being a normal adaptation to see lower ketones? Like in the keto gains community, they'll say like, don't chase, I don't know what their, their tagline is, something like- Chase results, not ketone. Yeah. Like should people, if they've been doing fasting long-term or keto long-term, should they see a drop in ketones just naturally because we're utilizing them differently? Or should we still be looking for you know, higher levels? So the reason that I really like breath acetone or one of the main reasons is because if you are someone who's very active, like a lot of the people in the keto gains community, and I'm part of that community too, I love it. I find that if I, because I test my blood ketones and my breath all the time. So I'm able to do tons of experiments because it's what I do for work. And I'll test my blood ketones in the morning and they'll get up to say as high as like 1.0 millimolar. And then I'll do a workout and they'll totally drop way down to almost non-existent, like 0.2, 0.3 after the workout. And it's because my tissue uptake is so high from the workout. So if you're someone that's very active and you're just testing your ketones once a day, you might just see that 0.2, 0.3 and not realize that they had gone up higher before, or you might not even see them rise because you're just so efficient at using them for fuel and you're using them 
and your body is creating them all the time. I also see, you know, there's a lot of other factors there. Like if people are eating super high protein, you know, sometimes that can affect ketones to not be as high. Like I've definitely noticed that overdoing it on the protein and I'm a protein, big protein advocate, but it can interfere with ketogenesis just by the nature of protein and what happens to it after you've digested it, which I know is another question that we have. So, you know, what your body does with protein after eating it. So I think when it comes to super active people who are doing resistance training, there is some physiological adaptation. Like you were saying, over time, the body becomes more efficient at producing ketones and also at using them, which is one of the reasons why you you stop excreting acetoacetate through the urine as much because your body just realizes it doesn't need to. And at the beginning, it sort of has this spillover effect. So the body gets really good at using the ketones, at making them. So you could definitely see lower numbers. But I find that whenever that happens to me, if I change things up or shake things up, change up, switch up my, you know, fasting window approach or switch up my intermittent fasting pattern, my ketones do go high again. So that's why I like using multiple tools. And with blood, it's, it's cost prohibitive to test multiple times a day. With the breath, you can test multiple times a day. And I think that that's an area that I'm just really excited about because there's so much potential for doing like more experiments. So I've had people, for example, do an ice bath and then you know, test their ketones before and after the next day and see what happens. And on the breath, like one of my group members, a podcast listener, he saw that his breath ketones doubled and then it made me want to try it and mine doubled too. So that's not something that I think you would have been able or here I would have been able to assess with blood, but with the breath, it's so easy and painless and, and quick that you can use a breath ketone analyzer to do that. And you can get, I think, more interesting feedback in different ways on different experiments. And some people won't get the same feedback. And I that's one been run really interesting thing as well as seeing the differences between people and how some people respond to certain things and others don't. It's a better way of getting feedback on those things. So with blood, I think it provides an amazingly accurate feedback in terms of your your level of blood ketone, which is really a storage form of ketones. It's, you know, as, in addition to being a fuel and you get amazing feedback from the breath. I think those two combined can give you really interesting insights. But I do think that the people who, like you said, who see lower ketones, I think it's usually because they're using them or it's because of physiological adaptation, like you said, over time, usually changing things up makes a difference. Wow. You touched on this, but we do think that the breath ketones are more an indicator of burning ketones, right? Like they're a byproduct of that. Yes. So when your body goes into the state of ketogenesis, you know, it initially makes acetoacetate, it makes beta hydroxybutyrate, and those are actual fuels that the body can use. But acetone, it's called a ketone, but what it really is, is a byproduct of that production because it's a tiny, tiny, like minuscule particle that is being spontaneously degraded from those other forms of ketones, which are the fuels and are being diffused or sort of escaping through your lungs. So it's like the off gas or the byproduct of producing and utilizing those other ketones. And when you are in ketogenesis, your body is at its highest rate of fat burning. And that's why the breath can be such a valuable indicator for what your body is doing in terms of fat burning. And there's a lot of bio-individuality 
when it comes to this stuff. And because we haven't studied breath acetone to the same degree as we've studied blood, for example, there's a lot less research in terms of understanding those levels and what those parts per million, you know, breath acetone, what it means. But, you know, I think that we are learning more and more all the time. It's just a really exciting area of research. This is so amazing. And so here are the questions I wanted to ask last week when you were talking about the tone device. I'm just so curious. So like I said last week, I mean, it is, I mean, so many people probably want to be entrepreneurs or create products. And I think so, so few people actually do it because it's a very intimidating idea (laughs) to do, to like bring that idea to reality. How did you go about deciding on the technology for the tone device? Like, how did you actually develop it? What was that process like? Yeah. And like I said on, on last week's episode, it was one of the most creatively satisfying things I've ever done to have a vision of something and then believe in its creation and then like literally manifest something in the palm of your hand that was just a thought. And all the things that are around us, they were initially thoughts and ideas in people's minds and now they're physically manifest. So to go on that journey was just absolutely incredible. To see how many people love it is something that brings me joy every day because I I just love getting those messages constantly from people saying that they love it so much. And it just brings me a lot of joy. So initially having the idea, I then, you know, hired designers and contracted designers to help me, you know, design. I actually ran a design contest for it, which was so much fun too. That's smart. Yeah. Cause I was like, you know, this is my idea. Like let's do a contest. And so I should do that for future like labels. It's so much fun. It's like one of the most fun things. Well, every time I'm designing a new product or logo, I love doing a contest. I now have a designer that is absolutely phenomenal and she understands my brain so well that I don't need to do them as much. But if you are an entrepreneur who has an idea or concept, I forget which one I used. There's a, a couple different websites that will do, that'll run contests for you for like 50 bucks or however much you set, you set the amount of what you want it to be. I'll have to find the website that I've used because I've used it a few times and you don't pay anyone for their entries. You just pay the winner and you give feedback the whole process and it can be as long as you want. So you give feedback and then, you know, until you get the exact design that you want. So I had a couple that I absolutely loved that were finalists. And then, you know, I picked the design that I wanted that reflected my vision the most. And then we created a prototype. So you can hire people to create, you know, the prototypes on, you know, what the actual like mold will look like. And I investigated for quite a long time, you know, different factories that, you know, had the technology. You can work with like institutes. So we work with an institute that studies, you know, breath acetone. And, you know, making it all come together, there's a lot of logistics involved, but I love the logistics. I love all of the stuff I was telling you. Like, I, I love filling orders. I love the whole process of, you know, people receiving something that I created with love, the packaging, everything. It's such a satisfying process. And I know you must experience that all the time when you, you know, create your products and, and all your amazing supplements. Like, it's, it's such a, satisfying thing to create something that you want people to love that you do it because you love it too it's something that you personally use or you personally want and then have people you know support you (laughs) and buy your things and then tell you that they love them it's like it's just so amazing I was thinking that exactly when you were talking about the first time you know holding it in your hand and I was thinking about the first time I held my first supplement my serapeptase it's like it's very surreal 
And like you said, it's like, oh, wow, like this thing that was an idea, an intangible thing in my head is like in my palm right now. And it's something I really, really want. <laughs> like, like I need my serapeptase every day and I need my magnesium and berberine. I'm so excited to try your serapeptase. A package is coming your way with all the things. I'm so excited. I've been meaning to try it. And we've been talking about it for ages. And I actually am doing some scar therapy right now. And yeah, I had someone, a quantum biologist actually recommend to me because I'm using red light on my scars for the scar therapy. And she's like, you, I said, is there anything else I can use? She's like, you should use serapeptase and natokinase. And I was like, oh my gosh, Melanie has been wanting to send me her serapeptase. We've been talking about it. I just, we haven't coordinated. There's things I want to send you as well. We haven't coordinated yet, but I'm so excited to start using it for the scar for, you know, dealing with internal scar th- or scar tissue. Oh my goodness. I am so excited to hear. Oh, so in, it's internal scar tissue. Yeah. Cause I have like my C-section scar. Oh, you had a C-section. Yeah. To Luca. So I've got a scar and it, it healed really beautifully on the outside, but I don't know what it, it healed like on the inside. And I have a scar on my knee from a rollerblading accident I got when I was in university and that one didn't heal as well. So I know that, you know, there's, there could be improvements. I'm really excited to try it. And I, I know there's all these other wonderful things that it does too. So I'm really excited to try. Yeah. So for listeners, I mean, they're probably familiar by now, but basically serapeptase, it's a proteolytic enzyme. It was originally created by the Japanese silkworm and its purpose and why it's so amazing for humans is for the silkworm. It's an enzyme that digests the cocoon without harming the silkworm itself. That's amazing. Yeah. So that's why it's so amazing in us in that it only degrades non-living tissue. Like it gets rid of the stuff you don't want to be there basically, but it actually protects and supports living tissue. Yeah. It's very like knowledgeable like that, but it has so many benefits for inflammation. There's been studies showing it actually breaks down amyloid plaque in vivo and in vitro, which is cool. Scar tissue, like you're mentioning, Jen started taking it for her fibroids. I was taking it originally for the allergy effects because it will like clear your sinuses. So yes, so that's serapeptase at avalonx.us. And oh, I'm sending you, by the way, I'm sending you our our big bottle that we just released because we released a a new subscription version that's like a larger bottle. So that's what I'm sending you. I can't wait to try it and report back. I can't wait to, to hear your thoughts. So another question about the tone, was it difficult to develop the technology for it? Because I think that's what would be really intimidating. It's a lot of R&D, a lot of trial and error. I mean, the number of different devices that I tested with the technology once we had created the, you know, the outer mold for it is like probably in the thousands. And I, I find them all over our place. Like I was looking at my sock drawer today. There was one, you know, they're, they're in every drawer in every compartment of this place because I've tested thousands of variations. And you know, what's crazy about, so with the blood, you have a very high concentration, you're measuring millimolar. So it's a very high concentration. That's why it can be so accurate. Now with breath, it's a thousand times harder to do because you're dealing with a thousand times like smaller particle, like you're dealing with parts per million as opposed to millimole. So it's, it's such a tiny, tiny particle that escapes through your lungs that it's very challenging to quantify it in terms of like a number compared to 
larger units. And the greater the ketones are, the larger they are, the easier it is to measure because it's a greater like parts per million, you know, quotient. So just, it's a lot of time, you know, we spent years like just testing the different, you know, sensors and, you know, testing the different sensitivities. I'm working on the second generation of the tone right now. And I've gone through another, like, you know, several hundred (laughs) variations of it. And each time, like we tweak a little something, take it back with the Institute. And, you know, we have like acetone gas that we use for testing and going back and forth. It's just a lot of iterations and a lot of patience, but I feel really blessed because the, you know, my customers, the people who purchase the tone are very like loving and supportive. And, and like I said, they, they love using the tone because it's so convenient. Just buy one device and you can test, you know, forever instead of having to buy those test strips, you know, forever. And so they really believe in me and they believe in the product. And so it affords me, you know, the ability to be able to spend time like perfecting and working on new iterations, like new generations. I'm really excited about the second generation that's going to be coming out soon. I'm hoping this year, and it's also going to have a little bit of a new look to it just to freshen it up a little bit. And it's going to be that much more sensitive for the smaller ketones, because that's one of the things that I noticed in the past couple of years, especially with having people directly using it and giving me feedback is that if you're doing intermittent fasting or you're doing like a 24 to 36 hour fast, your ketones may not get sky high. And just because of what we just talked about, if you're doing activity, you know, things can change. So I wanted to make it more sensitive for the smaller ketones, which is takes a lot of work because it's, it's making the sensor that much more you know, intelligent and and sensitive, but that much more useful for people like us who are, you know, not going into like a therapeutic ketosis or doing like medical grade, needing medical grade ketones for like seizure prevention or latency to seizure, things like that. Right. We're, you know, we're, I think most of us are doing intermittent fasting for the health benefits, for the wellness benefits. And we want to quantify like something to quantify or give us a little bit of a a reassurance or, or feedback to say, you know, what you're doing is working and, you know, your fast is getting you into like light ketosis. And then when you do a little bit longer fast, maybe it's going deep more, a little bit more deep than that, but just that sort of like confirmation feedback. So that's what I've been working on pretty intensely for the past, especially the last year is, is working on this new generation, building an app. We've been building an app, a community-based app so that we can, as a community in there, like share results and adding Bluetooth to it. I think that's going to be the third generation because it takes a lot of certifications because once you have Bluetooth in it, it's sending out a frequency. And so you need these other certifications that we're working on. So lots of really exciting things that I'm, I'm super, you know, stoked about in the future. Wow. It's so incredible. So inspirational. Thank you for asking. No, I have so many follow-up questions, but then I was thinking, oh, cause we're talking about how I am so embarrassed how you still haven't been on my show, the biohacking, Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. So I think that's going to be a good time to ask you. I have a lot of questions still. I can't wait. And now that we have figured out a new way to like, you know, match up our timelines, I think we're going to be able to do it much more easily. hundred percent. I do have another tone question though. What does it give the user? Like, how does it, like, does it give them a number? What does it tell them? Yeah. So it gives you a number that generally correlates to blood pretty well. Like, those ketones are not the same 
as I mentioned, they're different forms. Like one is a fuel, one is a byproduct. So in general, there's a few different things that will happen with ketones. Like there's a delay, there's a time lag. And that's one of the things you see the most in the scientific research is that there's a time lag. They don't necessarily match up with blood ketones in the exact same moment, but then the breath will sort of catch up with the blood afterwards. And so you get a number on the screen that typically correlates pretty well with blood. Like if you if you follow me on, on Instagram, you, I post every day my ketones and I post my blood and my breath. So you see they they tend to line up a lot, but when they line up depends on different factors like activity levels, the nature of your diet. If you're actually in a eucaloric status, if you're doing a surplus of calories or maintenance, or if you're in a diet, then they they don't line up as much because there's different things happening in the body, but you do get a number. And then I said, I provide a little bit of context for it. So if you're in like light fat burning or the fat burning zone, it, it shows that on the screen. And so if you get like, for example, like this morning I had 0.6 millimolar blood ketones and I had a six on the tone. So it's like about a factor of 10 difference, but I, I didn't put 0.6 on the tone because I don't want I want people to pause and understand that it's not supposed to be the exact same as blood all the time. And there are times that it is for very specific reasons, but then other times the numbers won't be the same. And it's also for very specific reasons. So yeah, you get a number and that number will go up or down depending on what you're doing. A lot of times the, because the body's always optimizing for balance for homeostasis, that number, sometimes it's surprising how often it's the same, but we don't know that because we don't test our blood ketones 10 times a day. But when you start testing your breath, you're like, wow, my body, it's found like a baseline or a zone and it tends to hover around that. And then, you know, when you get more deep into ketosis, you see that like variability, you know, when people do longer fast, they see more variability. They see the numbers like go up very, very high, just like with the blood. So it's super fascinating. It's amazing. How long does it take to take a measurement? It's about like between like four to five seconds. It's it's pretty quick. Awesome. How can people get it? Yeah, you can check out the tone at ketogenicgirl.com. And uh, we have three different colors. Like We have the white and gold has been out of stock for a while because the second generation is going to be coming out in the white, gold, and pink. We have the black and gold and there's like a few left of the black and rose gold. I think they're about to sell out as well. So black and gold, but black and gold is great because like a lot of our partners are maybe males or people who are less into the more feminine looking products. <laughs> they like the black and gold I actually created the black and gold for Pete because he loves gold. And so yeah, men tend to like that one too. Speaking of, does he do keto and or fasting? Pete originally did not. He's, he's always in a higher carb diet because his like sort of body type, it doesn't do well on low carb or keto. And his dad is the exact same way. And whenever they cut out carbs, they lose too much weight. Like they get like too thin. And so he has to eat, eat carbs just to maintain weight and, and maintain like a, a healthy weight. So when we were first together, he definitely didn't, but especially the last couple of years, he's been home working from home with me. And so he eats all the meals that I make every day and they tend to be lower carb. <laughs> and he tends to do, he's tended to do more intermittent fasting over the years. So he does a lot of intermittent fasting now. You know, he's never been like big into keto, but I kind of see it as something that he'll, he has become more and more interested in. He will become more interested in 
as he gets older, he's like starting to become more interested in health and wellness. Whereas it wasn't like as big of an interest for him before. But I think as people get older, you know, they start to think about like their lifespan or, you know, having a kid, you start thinking more about like, I want to live like as long as possible and I want to be in the best shape as possible. So you start like tuning in a little bit more where it may have not been as much of an interest before. Whereas like women are more primed and and tuned to to health things in general. That's something I'm excited to talk about more in future episodes, you know, like having a partner and the role of being on similar diets or not and, and whether or not, you know, there's a health focus or not. So have you been keto ever since you went keto? Did you ever bring in carbs back at all? I haven't very much. I've been keto pretty much very consistently over the last several years, except a few years ago, I started my high protein experiment, <laughs> which is what led me, you know, to become such a protein advocate. And, you know, I changed the fast keto podcast to the optimal protein podcast. You know, I really focus a lot of my content education on protein now and, you know, less on keto. And I still talk about keto almost every episode. But like I said before, I'm always changing up things based on what my current goal is and what I'm optimizing for. There's definitely periods of life, I think, where we need more protein and when we need a little bit more like ketosis or we need a little bit more autophagy. And so I think it's important to be flexible with those things. With carbs, I haven't as much because I've personally noticed that when I eat more of like high carb, low fat, which is kind of the alternative for me to like low carb, high fat, I don't feel as satisfied. And I find myself thinking more about food more often. And for me, I find like incredible food freedom in restricting my carbohydrate intake personally and really prioritizing my protein intake. It has made me as someone who used to be very much like a food addict addict and fixated on food, I don't really think about food at all now, except for when it's like mealtime. So for me, that works really well. And there's been times when like I've, I've experimented a little bit with like doing more of a high carb. And I, I just don't like that it makes me feel that way or think about food more, but I definitely eat very seasonally and locally. So in the winter, I do more of a keto like carnivorous approach. And then in the summertime, I definitely eat more carbohydrates. And because I eat a lot of protein, it bumps me out of ketosis like pretty much every day because I'm optimizing for like muscle growth and and building lean mass and my body composition, optimizing my body composition. So that generally kicks me out of ketosis and the intermittent fasting is what brings me back into it. Hi friends. We are so honored to be sponsored in part today by NutriSense. You guys hear us talk about continuous glucose monitors, aka CGMs, all the time on this show. And in particular, we love NutriSense, and here is why. NutriSense not only provides a 24-7 moving picture of your glucose values, they also offer a unique opportunity for self-discovery. So imagine this. You have a meal, and then you notice a spike in your glucose levels. So you think, hmm, that didn't go well. But here's the magic. Tomorrow, you can make a simple change. You can swap whatever you were eating for something else. Now you have real-time data to evaluate the impact. Maybe instead of that fruit, you have some vegetables. Maybe instead of that oatmeal, you have some yogurt. Maybe instead of that steak, you have some fruit. The continuous feedback loop that you can get with a NutriSense CGM empowers you to make quick, informed iterations with your meals. 
Maybe the change results in a completely normal glucose level, or maybe it's still a little bit high, but significantly better. Armed with this knowledge, you can refine your choices further, rapidly steering your glucose values back to the normal range. Without a continuous glucose monitor, honestly, you're just guessing and assuming that what you're doing is working. And when you go test your blood sugar levels at the doctor, that's just a snapshot of that one moment in time. It's not telling you what actually was happening throughout the day all the time. What makes NutriSense truly transformative is its ability to create lasting habits and intrinsic motivation. So instead of relying on generic advice from professionals or online sources or us, you have personalized real-time data from your own body. When you see the direct impact of your choices, it will resonate on a whole new level. This newfound awareness becomes the driving force, making it easier than ever to stay motivated and committed to your health journey. I promise you friends, it's like opening your eyes to the secret to lasting change because it gives you this empowering knowledge that you just didn't have before. So if you're looking to take charge of your health, gain real insights into your body and make sustainable, positive changes, NutriSense is your ultimate partner. Join them and us on this journey of discovery and unlock your full health potential. Get started today at NutriSense.com slash podcast and receive a $30 discount off of your first month, which includes two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support. That's nutrisense.com slash IF podcast for a $30 discount off your first month with two CGM sensors, free shipping and professional nutritionist support, which by the way, I get a lot of feedback on just how helpful that nutritionist support is. It's so easy. You can talk to them in real time in the app and they can really help you make sense of all the data that you receive from your continuous glucose monitor. Nutrisense.com slash podcast. And I am just so grateful to Nutrisense for helping support today's show. I love that you've experimented with all these different manifestations of fasting and we'll be able to speak to it. And it's funny that we just answered one listener question. You mentioned extended fasting. How long are those extended fasts when you do them? So I like to do four to five days seasonal fasts, so four times a year, and I do them specifically for the purposes of like deep autophagy. Yeah, immune system, rejuvenation. It's such a reset for your cells for especially like generating a lot of mitochondrial repair, mitophagy. It's amazing for the skin. It's amazing for like digestive rest, everything. It's just such a good reset. So I like to time it with the seasons. It's always like a good reminder. And I always look forward to it. And I always feel amazing when I do it. And it, it just lowers inflammation so much. And you really like, you know, crank up the, <laughs> the dial on all the benefits that you get from intermittent fasting during that time. And it's, you know, in general, I don't really like extended fasting for fat loss as much, but I do like it for that deep autophagy, cellular repair and renewal, as you mentioned. Wow. Is it hard at all the first for you, like the first few days or what's it like? I find it pretty easy in general. Like I'm a personality type that is, I tend to have characteristics of someone who like easily follows things that I set out to do. And I know it's a not a super common <laughs> common one. It's like Gretchen Rubin, the author, she talks about the four tendencies and it's the upholder. Upholder, me too. <laughs> Completely upholding everything, inner and outer. We're there. <laughs> uh, all the expectations. <laughs> Sign me up. I find it like easy to do. Whereas like, you know, I also think because I'm so fat adapted, 
it comes more easily to me after all these years, but it's something that I really look forward to because like it frees up a lot of my time. I spend so much time every day, you know, like prepping and cooking meals. And I, I still do that, you know, for my family, but it's just, a, it frees up a lot of my time and energy to do other things. And I just, I don't find it difficult, I think, because I'm so fat adapted. But if I wasn't, I think it would be quite difficult. Wow. And you sleep okay? I have like some of the best sleep, honestly. Some of the best sleep because, you know, ketosis can be can be helpful for sleep. And, you know, I definitely don't wake up at all, like in the night, you know, to go to the bathroom or anything like that. So it's it's definitely like some of the deepest sleep. And I think, you know, there's so much autophagy going on that your body like gets into those deeper states of sleep. I just find it amazing. Like I feel, you know, five years younger every time I do it afterwards. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's definitely worth it. And, you know, definitely not recommended for beginners, <laughs> but, you know, for people who've been doing fasting for a long time, especially for someone who's used to doing like 36, 72 hour fast, I think most people find that once you get past the 72 hours, it it's like a breeze after that. So I f- just stay busy. Staying busy helps a lot. And I'm really busy these days. <laughs> so that, that makes it a lot easier. Wow. That's so inspirational. And what's really cool is it sounds like the setup of what you're doing is the model of the research behind the fasting mimicking diet and that they look at, I know with fasting mimicking, they're, they're eating, but they're looking at that model often of, cause you said you do it like once a quarter basically. Yeah, I didn't know that that's what they did. And I I know that there's a lot of similarities because there's barely any protein being consumed. So you just shut off mTOR and IGF-1 and you just go into like a a deep autophagy too. It's like usually a, I think it's like a four to five day, I should probably, it's four or five days of that super low calorie, super low protein, everything. But the way they recommend prescribing it is like, they recommend doing it like four times a year. Have you interviewed Walter Longo? I haven't yet. He's definitely on my list. Yeah, I think we were talking about that. He's hard to lock down. <laughs> a lot of the re- big researchers are are the hardest to get out of the lab and, you know, sit in front of the mic. Like they're just so passionate about what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. It's so so true. It's so interesting too and I and I know we're like out of time and this is a complete tangent, but it's really interesting how some researchers do become these like celebrity figures because there's so many researchers studying all this but it's really interesting like the ones that become like a public figure like Walter Longo and David Sinclair even like you know Rick Johnson like it's it's just interesting I guess it's a mashup of it takes a certain personality that's more I think more rare in that field so when they do have a personality that meshes well with being in the public eye you know it's a unique thing I guess yeah. And I, I think it, I love it. I think it's so fantastic that like as a society, we're upholding these kinds of people, like these, you know, brilliant people who are dedicating their lives to advancing research to benefit our lives. Like it, I think it's just, it's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I feel like in a parallel universe, I would be like in a lab somewhere. Same. For sure. Well, this was amazing. Our first listener Q and A in the books. How do you feel? I loved it. I I could record like 50 more with you. I can't wait to do so many of these. And I'm just, like I said, I'm so excited for the questions because they're so brilliant. And I'm so excited to connect with all of you listening and, you know, to hear your feedback on, on these first couple of episodes. 
Yeah, I can't wait. We had we had a lot of questions on the lineup for today, but Valerie was the lucky the lucky winner. So for listeners, if you would like to submit your own questions for the show, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. These show notes for today's episode will contain links to everything that we talked about and those will be at ifpodcast.com slash episode 317. And then you can follow us on Instagram. We are ifpodcast.com. Podcast. I am Melanie Avalon and Vanessa is ketogenic girl. So I think that's all the things. Anything else from you before we go? No, I, I just love this first episode. I'm so excited for all the episodes to come and I'm just sending so much love to all of our listeners. Me too. I'm like, I'm just so happy. I'm so happy. So I will talk to you next week. Sounds amazing. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember, everything we discussed on this show does not constitute medical advice and no patient-doctor relationship is formed. If you enjoyed the show, please consider writing a review on iTunes. We couldn't do this without our amazing team. Administration by Sharon Merriman. Editing by Podcast Doctors. Show notes and artwork by Brianna Joyner. Transcripts by Speech Docs. And original theme composed by Leland Cox and recomposed by Steve Saunders. See you next week.